Welcome to the Global Investor Podcast, a show that focuses on helping foreign investors enter the lucrative U.S. real estate market. Host Charles Carrillo combines decades of real estate investing experience with a professional background in international banking to interview experts in all areas of U.S. real estate investing. Now, here's your host, Charles Carrillo. Welcome to another episode of the Global Investors Podcast. I'm your host, Charles Crillo. Today, we have Yair Benyamini from Lendai. Lendai is a tech-based U.S. private lender focusing on foreign nationals investing in U.S. residential real estate market. So thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you for joining me. Uh, yeah, yeah. Here. Awesome. Yeah, I know. It's great. We're going to be able to uh, kind of dive into what you do and your company does and uh, how it might be a huge benefit for the global investor uh, listener audience. So give us a little background on yourself, both professionally and uh, personally, prior to getting involved with real estate investing and lending. So uh, I'm originally from Israel now, of course, I, I live here in Florida. I'm a lawyer by profession. As I said, nobody's perfect, what can I say? Uh, I worked for quite a few years in one of Israel leading law firms, and I was having the commercial and the international department of the firm. So done everything from helping building cannabis farms in Canada, hospitals in China, and to reverse mergers into NASDAQ shells. And of course, a lot of real estate transactions in Israel and Europe, and actually many of them here in the US. And this is how I got into the real estate business initially. Uh, and in the last almost three years, I'm one of the four co-founders and the CEO of Lendai, which is, as you said, we're a FinTech company that targeting foreign nationals investing in the US and solving the also known problem of getting financing when you don't have a social security number, credit scoring, and you're not living in the U.S. Yeah, no, for sure. So you you work with a handful of main countries. Can you give us a, a rundown of the countries? Obviously, Canada. Uh, what other countries are you, you really focusing on um, where lenders are coming from that you can provide financing? Yeah, so we started with the Israeli market, and then we entered into the Canadian market, the Australian, the British markets. Uh, of course, those are the, one of the most... Uh, uh, influential markets as we see them on the real estate here. Uh, the next market that we're going to get into is more markets in, the, in Europe. Um, around the end of this year, we'll get into Latin America as well. There's a lot of foreign yeah. investors coming from Latin America, but that's in Q3, Q4 of 2022. At the moment, we really focus on the Western countries that are investing in the US. Okay, cool. Yeah, there's a being in Florida, there's tons of people from Central, Latin America, whatever you like to call it, um, coming into the United States to uh, to invest. So it's it's crazy. Yeah. Um, so with target borrowers and how the process works, this is something that's a little different because um, other lenders that I we've worked with or we've had people work with that are listeners on the show, um, there's usually it usually is a pretty intensive, time intensive process, um, and of when they go to the lender, when they're looking at properties, we're in a very hot housing market now, which doesn't help uh, trying to put all those pieces together and still get a halfway decent deal. So um, a broker, or, sorry, a borrower comes to you and um, they're looking at uh, finding a house, a property to purchase. And uh, what is kind of the process that you guys kind of go through with them and then timeframes that they might have to kind of uh, work through? So first of all, it's a bit important to understand our business model. Lend I work as a B2B2C type of model, which means that we don't get to work, we don't start the work directly with the consumers, 
we have a global network from Australia to Asia, Europe, Israel, uh, Canada, and the US of partners, which is realtors, property managers, developers, entrepreneurs like yourself. They bring us their clientele. And the entire process with Lenda, and this is why we spend millions of dollars uh, on building it, is a full online streamlined process. Mm -hmm. So the partner connects the borrower to us with a click of a button. The borrower gets an email, say hi, start your own application. We ask him a few questions about himself, a few questions about the property that he wants to purchase or refine, um, and then he gets an immediate answer at, at the spot. It takes three to five minutes to complete the first phase, and based on our AI, artificial intelligence algorithms, we actually give him a term sheet. So we said, mm -hmm. okay, you, John, from Wales, on this property in Georgia, you will get $200,000 loan from us. He will see on the screen a full term sheet with all the information, the loan amount, the closing cost, third-party fees, et cetera, et cetera. So we'll know exactly what can he borrow from Lendai against this deal. And then he says, like, if it looks okay, let's move onwards. The next phase, which is also happening within our system, we automatically order the appraisal, order the title, schedule a meeting with him, with one of our representatives, of course, an online meeting, a Zoom meeting. Mm -hmm. And then we help him upload all the information that he needs. It's a meeting that takes around... 30 minutes to finish upload all the information. Mm. Then we process everything, get the information from the borrower, from the title, from the appraisal. Once everything is in line, we have the final decision. The borrower gets a final offer from us. That takes between 24 to seven days. Depends, of course, mainly what's holding us back is the appraisals and the titles. Mm. Our system is very efficient. We give them a final approval, and then we go to closing. Closing itself is also an online closing. So we have online notaries, so he goes, again, back to his computer, get all the documents, sign it online, and that's it. We fund the loan. So from application to closing, it takes between 14 to 21 days. We have actually done it in less than that, but I don't want to promise because it depends on many other vendors. Uh, so it's always be less than 30 days, but our goal is actually enable to go down the less than 10 days from application to closing. And this is why we're building such a robust platform. And... The borrower time actually in the process. So to get the initial term sheet, it's three to five minutes, and then another 30 to 60 minutes in the processing of the of the loan, and another 30 minutes on the closing. So it takes him an hour and a half to close on a loan in Ohio when he sits in Montreal or in Tel Aviv. Whereas as we say, if he wanted a loan on his house in Toronto, it would take him longer, go down the stairs, take the car looking for parking uh, at his bank and start talking to them. So this is basically what we're doing. We're enabling foreign borrowers to buy with financing in an ease and, and fast way as if they were buying all cash. And this is actually what our technology enables us to do. And um, this is this is very interesting because I, if, you know, if I, a U.S. borrower typically will go out and I'm looking to buy a property, I'll get a pre-approval from a bank for let's say a one to four unit property, a residential property, commercial property is much different, but one to four unit property, I'm going to go get a pre-approval most likely if I'm buying this as a second house or as my primary residence. And then I can use that when talking to brokers. So they know that I'm a real borrower. Now, if someone comes to you and they don't have, they haven't pinpointed a property yet, they've just, uh, they just know, Hey, I want to buy a property in South Florida and here's some financials and here's this, and this is what I want to spend. And are you able to give some sort of pre-approval letter and how yeah. long is that good for? So we have three types of products. We have the pre-approval and we have the new purchase and the refi. And of course, 
every, every type of loan can also be a portfolio loan. Actually, most of our loans are for more than two doors. It's uh, five properties, 10 properties, but a pre-approval is very easy. They get the same email, start the process. We ask them a few questions about themselves. And then within three minutes or so, they get a pre-qualification letter. They can print it. They see exactly what they want. If they want this pre-qualification to be a pre-approval, then they press enter, move to the next phase. The next phase is again, scheduling a short meeting with a, a representative because we want to make sure who, who they really are, uploading some personal financial information, nothing about the property because there's no property yet. And within 12 to 24 hours, they will get the pre-approval letter by email uh, again. So uh, we have this product. A lot of our Canadian borrowers actually love it. Now, they're just starting to look in for a property. First of all, go get the pre-approval, understand what is their buying power, and then start looking for the next uh, investment. Yeah, of course, because that real estate agent wants to make sure they're not wasting their time. They actually have a real buyer because you can tell a real estate agent anything, but you're not going to get brought, you know, you're not going to really see properties and you're going to see too many of them. You're not going to be uh, sold to that seller uh, seriously unless you have proof of funds in this case, uh, you know, a down payment in this letter. So that's awesome. Um, you know, you work with these, uh, a lot of foreign investors, uh, they're investing here into the United States. And what are some Give us, give us like a little bit of uh, normal questions that you might see that they have or uh, anything that these investors should be aware of um, that maybe if someone has never invested and they're outside the United States, in the United States, what they should be looking out for. So first of all, outside investors need to first of all decide what they want to get from the U.S. investments. Do you want the appreciation or you want the return on the investment on a month-to-month basis or you want to get both of them? Because it's very different from one state to the other. And the, the, the first thing that I always, always say to people, understand that the US is 50 states, 300, 3,200 3, different counties, and each county is a different real estate market. So there's no such thing, I'm investing in the US. You can invest, even in Florida, you can invest in tens of different areas. And you need to understand what are your goals? Do you look for the appreciation? Do you like to build wealth fast? Do you want, and then, you know, Based on those answers, they can know do you, you want to go to fix and flip to get more to create a, a bigger equity, or you want a, a long-term player and you say, okay, I'm buying a residential rental portfolio or going to Airbnbs and short-term rentals. So this is always the first question. People come to the US and say, okay, US is amazing, but they don't understand that within the US residential market, there's so many different opportunities in different markets. So that's the first question. The second question is note how to build this infrastructure. Do you need an LLC? Do you need an LLP? There's a lot of tax implementation that can happen if you don't do it correctly. And I'm always saying, don't save money on legal advice and tax advice. Make sure that you're building the structure in a way that will be sustainable and because nobody would like to pay taxes and build, and build it in the right way. And we see a lot of people that say, no, I don't need it. I can open an LLC online and it will be okay. And then they open an LLC in Florida and invest in Georgia and doing all kinds of uh, funky stuff. So use professional advice. It will help you build a much stronger portfolio uh, and, and learn a lot of the market. And, and the best thing, of course, and, and I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm compromised, but is get financing when you can because using financing in real estate and specifically in the US has so many advantages. It can get, of course, double your buying power, but it gets you a higher cash and cash return and it diversifies your investments. And it allows you, if, if we were talking about ta- tax exemptions, so all the loan costs on a loan in the US, if you do it as a business purpose loan, 
are uh, deductible against your taxes in the US. And if you already bought a property, let's say five years ago, in all cash, because you didn't have any financing, and now you have a lot of equity stuck between the walls, you can either sell it, but then you have to pay capital gain tax and you lose the property. Instead of that, go and refi, extract the capital, don't pay any taxes, and not just you're not paying taxes, you're even getting tax exemptions and deductions on all the costs. So if you know how to plan your way right from the legal and tax-wise in the US, you can benefit so much more uh, out of your investments here. And this is yeah. something that many people are missing. Yeah, that's um, the United States uh, has so many so many uh, advantageous uh, points to investing in real estate. And we love tax deferrals here in the United States. And um, if you do it right, which doesn't take a, you know, it's not that difficult if you have the right competent um, counsel and CPA, you can really avoid most, uh, if not all your taxes around real estate in the United States. And people do it every day. And um, it's something that um, having that counsel set up, because if people reach out to me that are foreign investors, it's the first thing I'll do is listen, like you have to figure out what your plan is. That's number one, like you said, and then speak to counsel and then speak you know, CPA over this and figure out exactly what it is. Because there's a lot of a lot of buying real estate in the United States is similar for US and foreign investors. And then a lot of it is different, such as like a state tax is like $12 million for residents in the United States, citizens. And it's like 60,000 bucks for like, which I mean, anybody buying a property now uh, or bought one two years ago has a $60,000 gain. So these things have to be known up front of, hey, how much are you gonna invest? Where are you investing? Is this one time? Is this a real investment like that you're gonna do? You know, it's not just like a second home. And um, so it's great advice. Thank you very much for, for all of that. Um, what, what are the common mistakes I guess you see foreign investors make? I know you touched on some of them there, but are there some main ones other than just going straight into putting offers on properties or setting up stuff without talking to counsel? Is that like the biggest one you've seen? So those are, those are the main ones, but yeah. I have to say that because foreign investors are investing remotely and specifically during COVID, so they have to put a lot of effort in finding the right partners in the US because we've seen it all. We've seen, you know, when we're starting to underwrite a property, we're suddenly seeing that they're not really the owners of the property that they thought they owned because they didn't register it correctly and they don't have a title policy in place. And they thought that they have an insurance policy in place, but actually they only got an offer and then they never signed it. So for the last year, they have no insurance. Uh, we even saw in one of our, our loans that we did, it's, it's still in my memory. Um, we, it was a portfolio loan on like five properties for a seasoned investor. He has like 10 properties total in Georgia. And all the properties are rented and everything is okay. And we send the and we send in the, the appraisal. And the appraisal wrote in the report the following it said the kitchen floor is sinking into the basement, but I couldn't get into the basement because there were so much mold that it was unhealthy. So and this property is there's a tenant paying every month like, like, like he needs to. And the foreign investor, because he doesn't have the right people with boots in the ground, he didn't even know that. So now there's, I don't know why, but there's a tenant to keep on paying, but what will happen the day that he will leave? Now you see there's a 10 or $20,000 renovation that he didn't even expect it. So make sure that you find a good team to work with and you can really count on in the US and understand uh, this, this thing. Another thing that we see, and it depends on the specific market, uh, origin market, is currency risks. And, and people are not taking this into consideration a lot of time. So if you're a Canadian or an Australian, 
that there's a lot of volatility between the US dollar and your origin country uh, uh, currency, they, this can really change the numbers of your investments because if the dollar rate goes down or, or up, it can change everything. So of course the solution for that is minimize the currency risk. And the way to minimize your currency risk is taking US mortgages against your US properties. So instead of investing $100,000, which let's say if it's a Canadian dollar, it's uh, 500,000 Canadian dollars, for example, you need to, to invest only 30,000 US dollars and the rest comes from a US lender and you pay the mortgage in US dollars. So you minimize in 70% your currency exchange rate. And this is a big thing for foreign nationals. Yeah, I never thought of that. That, that makes perfect sense. Um, the other thing I've seen too, is that what you said about having advisors here. I have one attorney that works with a lot of foreign investors and I'll call him sometime and he'll be like, oh, I'm driving to see a property. And I'm like, well, well you know, what are you doing driving? You know, you're an attorney. And he's like, no, they paid me to go and review the property. And, and when you hear that, and it doesn't really make complete sense for a US person, but if I was buying in another country, it makes perfect sense. I found someone that I trust. And if you're buying a half million dollar property, what does it matter if you're paying someone $200 or $300 an hour that you trust to verify what you're doing? It's not like they're sitting at the property all, you know, the whole time. It's just that they're verifying stuff's done. They're verifying this. They found something they can they can trust. And then you avoid an issue like that nightmare you were just talking about um, that you would have no, if you know, you, you'd have no idea other than going to the property that you had that issue or someone else that worked with you. So, um, you know, it's great. Um, so when... I know I, mean, I don't want to talk about like interest rates because that's going to, we're, we're in 2022, that's all going to change. But let's talk about just um, typical terms that you would see as a foreign investor, let's say from Israel or Canada or something like this that's coming into the United States. Like, what is a typical down payment? Um, can you like go into that uh, a little bit more in depth so people have an idea of what they uh, probably can afford? Yeah. So uh, I can speak on, on our terms. Of course, every lender is, is a different, but if it's, a, and, and it's pretty much the same. Uh, but for a foreign national, for a new purchase loan, he can get up to 70% of the LTV or the purchase price of the, of the property. If it's a refinance, so he, let's say we did a lot of loans that people took a hard money loan, you know, a 10% inter, interest rate loan, bought the property, renovated, and then replaced it with a 30-year fixed loan from us uh, in a 4% interest rate. Um, so if it's a refi, you can also get to 70%. If it's a cash-out refinance, which means that you have only cash in the property and you're extracting ca capital back home, you can get up to 60 to 65%. In some cases, it says we can go to 70, but it's, it's less uh, mainly in the Canadian front. Uh, but it, it's mainly will be 60 to 65% LTV. The rates, uh, well, our model is slightly different. We work in a way that we always have the same rates. It's between 420, let's say this morning, it's between 425 to 525. And if our system decides that this is a good borrower and this is a good property that we want to finance, we will always give you the best offer we can. If we say we don't, it, it doesn't suit our guidelines, we will simply say no. So if one day say, okay, you're not such a good investor or it's a bad property, I'll take 10% interest rate. It, it doesn't work that way. It's the same price. You know, when you go into a bank to get a loan, you always think that your friend got a better offer. You know, everybody thinks, oh, no, no, I'm sure that I have heard that he gets a better offer from you guys. That doesn't exist with Lender. We have 425 to 525. If we want you as a client, you will get the best offer. Nothing less than that. And this makes things much more simpler and easy to understand because uh, nobody thinks that somebody's getting a better deal than him or something like that. Uh, are these loans usually fixed, like a 30-year fixed term? Yeah, we're doing 30-year fixed term loans. 
30-year uh, amortization. Um, we do one to four doors, so single families, two to four units, townhomes, uh, condos. We're not doing at the moment. We will get there later on this year. It's a long-term rental loans, so it, the property needs to be rented uh, for a long term. Uh, actually, in Q1 uh, of 2022, we're going to get into Airbnb and short-term rental loans, which is a huge deal for Brits and, and Canadians specifically. And around Q3 of 2023, we'll go to residential uh, vacation rentals, which means second homes, again, for Canadians, Brits, and others that are coming you know, for two, three weeks or two, three months a year. And the rest of the year, they either do it as an Airbnb property or just keep it vacant. Um, so those are the types of properties and the type of loans we will offer. Yeah, the other thing I want to just uh, um, point out there is that even with a lot of U.S. lenders, um, they don't want to they don't want to finance Airbnb properties per se. If it turns into an Airbnb property, that's different. But it's something that I found that they don't want to use it no matter what the income is you're showing them. They see it as a lot more volatile than a 12 month lease. Uh, so that's 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 great because that's not something that a U.S. bank would even be really interested. If you said, "Hey, I'm buying this for an Airbnb," they're not going to be the first one to call you back. You know what I mean? Yeah, and 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 we're working now uh, diligently with uh, the rating agencies to build the guidelines for those specific loans. And from my point of view, it's a much safer loan uh, than a regular loan because you have much more data. Because let's say just to give you uh, how does a lender looks on the things. So you say, okay, I have a, a lease here for 12 months. So, and let's say the lease was signed two months ago and he was paying two months uh, his lease, but it's one person and I don't see anything. When I'm lending to an Airbnb property, we have data from the Airbnb websites and from the, 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 the online uh, arena. We know two years back what happened in this property, exactly when it was vacant, when it was not, how much money they were. So this data gives us a much better understanding of the revenues coming from this property. So as we see it from the data perspective, because we're, we're a tech-oriented lender, so we're looking always at the data, it's actually much safer and much more uh, uh, data-oriented loan than what other people are thinking. And, and there's a big gap there because US banks and, and lenders still haven't understand that. It's actually a better loan than just somebody who lives there with a month-to-month or a 12-month lease. Yeah, especially with like with our larger apartment complexes that we buy, and we're getting agency debt, Freddie and Fannie Mae, they don't even want to see Airbnb rentals in the property. And we had that one property with a bridge loan. And when we refinanced it to agency debt, um, we had to change that to like three month, six month nurses. And the Airbnb was like 10% of the property. Maybe, yeah, somewhere around 10% of the property. And it was very, very profitable. But lenders don't like to see it. So it's very, it, that's something that... Um, I was surprised at hearing because it's not a typical thing and it makes perfect sense coming from it. But most banks aren't really using common sense when you, <laughs> when you get down to it and you're like, well, how does this make sense? But um, that's just kind of how it works. Um, so you're, you're a successful attorney in multiple countries. Now you're working with uh, this company and your company is very successful with lending to foreign investors. Um, what are the main factors for you that have contributed to your success? So I have to say it's, the company is much more than the Airbnb, of course. Uh, you met Michal from our Canadian office. We have a big office in our R&D center in Israel and another office here in Florida. Just between the, the, the high management of the company, we have more than 100 years, actually more than 150 years of experience in investments, in real estate, in underwriting, and building what we have built and using, as we said, we're data-oriented. So we have teams of data scientists 
that are looking on those transactions, not like a banker just. We have the banking system, of course, in place, but we're looking into it in a much more complex way. And we start to look on every problem and every question from the data perspective. And this allows us to do things that others can't. To basically what we're doing when we are over, how come a US bank looks on a, a Canadian, for example, who is speaking English, has a Canadian credit scoring, has a great job, and they say, you have no credit scoring in the US. I can't talk to you. I don't know you at all. But what our system says, he's a banker in Canada. We have bankers in Australia, in Canada, high-tech employees. Those are amazing borrowers. Those are people, basically, we give money to people that have money, but other lenders simply look only on the US and can't understand that, hey, this guy is an amazing borrower. He simply lives in Canada. So why not check him in Canada, understand his profile there, and the property in the US, connects all the dots, and give him a loan. And this is basically what we're doing. It, when you're thinking about it, it makes much more sense. Uh, another example that I want to uh, uh, emphasize, and a lot of US lenders doesn't understand, that giving money to foreign nationals, it's actually safer. And why I'm saying that? Let's say something happened tomorrow with the US residential market. Everything crashes again, like 2008. So if I'm investing in, a, I'm, I'm lending to an American, he just lost his job and everything came crashing down, his property and everything. But if I'm giving money to a doctor who works in London, even if something happened in the US economy, he still has his job in London. I need both economies to crash to something really happened. So I'm actually more protected than just giving a loan to an American because I'm protected by the British economy and the US at the same time. And this is something that regular lenders sometimes missing uh, as we see it. Yeah, a lot of uh, US banking institutions just have blinders on when it goes to getting accounts opened or doing anything. I mean, just people opening up accounts. Uh, it's, I mean, it's just from Canada, you know what I mean? Which is, you know, which is our neighbor uh, here. It's, it's so difficult because they just have their tunnel vision on of this is, hey, this is what it says I can do. And that's it. And there's not any, anything else outside the box, which it's great that you're providing this to uh, a much needed market. So how can our listeners learn more about you and your business, Yair? So of course we have a very vast online presence. You can go to our website, our LinkedIn, Bigger Pockets. Uh, you can read about us. You can of course uh, listen to this podcast and, and understand a bit more about us. And I encourage you to enlist our, our newsletter that we uh, issue uh, once a month uh, with more information about the market. And of course, the first thing is to approach people like yourself who work with us, who knows us, who's seen our programs. And that's the best way to connect us. So via our partner networks that we trust and knows us and examine what we do and how we can benefit their foreign nationals investors. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on today and uh, looking forward to uh, touching base with you here in the near future. Likewise. Looking forward. Have a great week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you. Hi, guys. It's Charles from the Global Investors Podcast. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you're interested in getting involved with real estate, but you don't know where to begin, set up a free 30-minute strategy call with me at ScheduleCharles.com. That's ScheduleCharles.com. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Global Investor Podcast. If you like the show, be sure to subscribe on iTunes or Google Play to get new weekly episodes. For more resources and to receive our newsletter, please visit globalinvestorpodcast.com. And don't forget to join us next week for another episode. 
Nothing in this episode should be considered specific, personal, or professional advice. Any investment opportunities mentioned on this podcast are limited to accredited investors. Any investments will only be made with proper disclosure, subscription documentation, and are subject to all applicable laws. Please consult an appropriate tax, legal, real estate, financial, or business professional for individualized advice. Opinions of guests are their own. Information is not guaranteed. All investment strategies have the potential for profit or loss. The host is operating on behalf of Syndication Superstars, LLC, exclusively.